Senator O'Scanlan, affordability issues are front of your mind as well. And I'd be interested to hear your thoughts, your hopes for people being able to age successfully here locally. Well, you've got to focus on the weak links. The mission is to keep people alive and living good lives as long as possible and at costs that society can bear. If you chart out the increases in healthcare costs over the past 20 years and project them 20, 30 years in the future, it's a scary, scary curve. Welcome to the Moving Healthcare Forward podcast, where I speak with leaders in the healthcare space to address the challenges facing everyday people, especially our most vulnerable. My name is Dr. Steve Landers. I'm the president and CEO of VNA Health Group, a mission-based, all-inclusive healthcare nonprofit. I'm also a certified family doctor and geriatrician. So I fuse together my experience in geriatric medicine, home health and palliative care with what I see as my purpose, bridging the gaps in care and finding ways to improve the lives of individuals and caregivers. This is Steve Landers here with our Moving Healthcare Forward podcast. It is such a pleasure to be here today with two incredible leaders in New Jersey. We have Senator Declan O'Scanlan from Little Silver, New Jersey, my hometown, the 13th legislative district in New Jersey. Senator O'Scanlan is the Republican budget director and has been an incredible advocate and supporter for health services and was a major contributor to the efforts that VNA was involved with uh, during the pandemic to get health services and vaccines to people in our community. Our headquarters for the VNA Health Group is in Holmdale, New Jersey, which is in Senator O'Scanlan's district. And we also have Senate Majority Conference Leader, Senator Vin Gopal from Long Branch. And in Senator Gopal's district. VNA Health Group has a whole range of services, including a flagship community health center in Asbury Park, as well as in Freehold Borough, and a whole range of programs and services. Senator Gopal has been an outspoken advocate for VNA Health Group programs and services, including advancing children and family health programming, LGBTQ health services, and has really pushed on a number of federal and state agencies on behalf of the the people and programs served by our organization, VNA Health Group. So thank you so much, both of you, for leading the way and being such great supporters of health services and community health in our communities. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us, Steve. Thanks so much. Happy to be here. Looking forward to the discussion and talking about the critically important work that you and the VNA do from all aspects. Thanks so much. Absolutely. It is the importance of your advocacy and leadership has just been so much appreciated and felt by our teams and the people in the community. And what I'm particularly pleased, and I think this podcast is an example, is that both of you are leaders in your parties and advocates for your perspectives, but also are able to have bipartisan discussions and problem-solving discussions just about the issues that people in your districts face. 
And that is so much appreciated and quite frankly, so much needed in our politics. Things today are are polarized. There's no question about that. Within New Jersey, actually, I have to say overall, not to get too far down the discussion of political climate, but it's important when we're talking about policy, I suppose. In New Jersey, Republicans, Democrats, and the legislature work together pretty frequently. The federal government we see is a mess. We don't have to lay blame, but it is. And they find very hard to work together to get things done. In New Jersey, we've done a pretty good job maintaining good relationships, good personal relationships, mutually respectful ones. And that works from a policy perspective to a great extent. Certainly on the healthcare front, in in many areas, we've gotten a lot of things done. And I think we agree on the mission as well, which is also critically important. Thanks, Senator. And I know also Senator Gopal echoes those thoughts with respect to solving problems and working together. I know that during the pandemic, the height of the pandemic, Senator Gopal, that you advocated for the community, even when maybe it went, you had to go and push on agencies that Governor Murphy was responsible for. And you took a real courageous stance a number of times just to make sure that services were delivered and people got what they need. Yeah, Steve, it's been great to work with you, your entire organization, of course, Chris Rin here locally, and of course, my colleague, Senator Scanlon, and healthcare, I believe, is truly a human right. So organizations like the VNA and other federally qualified health centers are on the front line of that. So I thank you for all the work you guys and your staff are doing. Thank you. Yeah, it's been so important to have those public-private partnerships to have successful response to crises and also just the everyday community health services that people need. Now, my background, as you both know, is as a geriatric medicine doctor or elder care physician. And within VNA, a lot of what we do is serves older people. Actually, in a given year, we make over a million home visits to older folks nurses, therapists, aides, going out into the community, helping people that are aging, trying to age in their homes. And I know these aging issues are critically important to both of you. Senator Scanlon, I very much admired your caregiving for your beloved father. I know aging issues and caregiving issues are deep in your heart. And Senator Gopal, I know your family commitment to medicine and elder care and I know I've got people that care about aging issues here today. Well, no question, Steve. I appreciate you mentioned my dad. He's great. And we were lucky enough to have him for 92 years. But, you know, some of those years, there were challenges. We were lucky enough to be able to keep him at home with the types of service talking about today that the VNA provides. It was great. And he went, I got to say, exactly the way he would have wanted. Very quickly, at home and happy with his family. And look, we're all going to face these issues going forward, whether we're caregivers or ultimately whether we need care ourselves. And the future of healthcare is about permitting people to be at home for as long as they can be to the end, if possible, and living decent lives with their families. It also, by the way, the collateral benefit of that is that it's cheaper. And this isn't just about cost, but it has to be partly about cost because there's a limit to what taxpayers can pay, what individuals can pay. So the future of healthcare is about exactly the VNA's mission. I think you got it right. And that's one of the things I've loved about being involved in home and community care is that it's like one of these win-wins, right? When it goes well and it works, people want to stay in the community and their families obviously want that dignity and independence 
of being in the community and it can be less expensive than more institutional care. But, you know, of course, there's many circumstances where we absolutely need wonderful care and institutions so that people's needs are met and they're not neglected. But on balance, if we can do more home and community care, it is a win-win in many instances. So 85 plus, a lot of folks talk about the 65 plus population as sort of the aging population. But actually, when we look at demographics, we also have this boom nationally over the next 30 years. We're going to more than triple the number of people in our country, in our communities that are 85 and older. And that's really an age group that often, not always, but start to sometimes develop health issues or needing some type of assistance with the basics or medical care. And so we want to make sure that our communities are wonderful for that group. Senator Gopal, when you think about your district and the communities you represent and really the state at large with respect to healthy aging, what are your hopes and what's on your mind for that part of the population? Affordability continues to be a challenge as it relates to healthcare. One thing I think the legislature needs to look at is we've got three companies that have most of the market, Horizon, which has a chunk of it, Cigna, United, there's a, there's a few others out there. And we have to work with these companies, Horizon's now a nonprofit, to make sure that they can't just have record profits all the time, that their funds need to be returned and it needs to be returned to some of our most vulnerable populations, especially our seniors. And I think I had an incident recently where I fell and was hospitalized for a day and I'm still paying hospital bills and getting a new bill every week. And I think that healthcare has the ability to bankrupt a family. So I think we have to look to emphasize more home care like you guys are doing at the VNA. We have to look to see how the state and federal governments could put more funding so healthcare doesn't continue to be the, the driving cost in a family's situation. And I think the only way we can do that is through federally qualified health centers. I think those are the folks on the front. We're seeing a lot of, unfortunately, corporatization of healthcare where you know, we've seen hospitals even buy doctor's offices and real estate buildings. They're trying to expand. We see a lot of more urgent care and there's just a lot more focus on profit than there is on the actual individual in need. So I think trying to refocus our efforts and our energies on that not-for-profit side, I think, is going to be extremely important to making sure that every resident of the state, regardless of what zip code they come from, has access to affordable health care. And affordability is such a big issue. As people age, it's like the health care, like you said, for sure, in the medical bills. And also, there's the concern about affordability of housing so that people can stay in their own homes and affordability of long-term care, like personal care services, aid services. I know, Senator O'Scanlan, affordability issues are front of your mind as well. And I'd be interested to hear your thoughts, your hopes for people being able to age successfully here locally. Well, you've got to focus on the weak links. The mission is to keep people alive and living good lives as long as possible. And at costs that society can bear. If you chart out the increases in healthcare costs over the past 20 years and project them 20, 30 years in the future, it's a scary, scary curve. So we have to look at what are the weak links, what are the cost drivers so that, and again, that all gets back to affordability itself and being able to help folks stay at home, being able to provide care there rather than in an institutional setting, if they don't need to be there, as you mentioned, there are some folks that we absolutely have to provide first-class institutional care because it happens, no question. But in order to provide better service at lower costs, 
we have to look at the cost drivers. We have to look at the availability of services. And then you have to balance out. What are you paying nurses in hospitals versus in other institutions? Then deal with things like we're facing nursing shortages now. And again, if you chart the curve, even worse going forward and attack those weak links. We need to work with our community colleges, for instance, and expand nursing training. Yeah, the nursing and workforce issues are substantial. And I want to dedicate a good chunk of the end of our conversation to talk a little bit about that. I do want to mention before we talk more about the workforce, which is critical, actually, an issue that that was brought to me by one of our home health aides who said, Landers, I want to keep at this, but one of the big problems I'm having as a home health aide is finding affordable housing in Monmouth County. And also, that was a big issue for us recruiting folks is affordable housing for the workforce. But I'm also wondering just about people as they age of affordability, just to the basics like housing. What do you hear from constituents about just being able to find a good place to live as people age? Is that a concern that you're hearing? And do you see any hope on the horizon of how that could be better for people? It's Declan again. It is a concern with people on fixed incomes. You know, we have programs, policies that, for instance, freeze property taxes for some, and we're expanding those things. But it is an issue that we have not solved. It's one of the reasons why we see the separation of families. You see people as they age move to other states, driven frequently by affordability. Now, we've made some strides there with retirement income tax cuts, and that's been a help because I've had some people tell me that directly, but there's still a lot of work to be done there. But you're right. The healthcare workers, who we don't pay very well, at finding housing that they can afford so that they are within commuting distance of the people who we want to have them serve in their homes. It's a concern. It gets back to the shortage, which we'll get to, of these Absolutely. workers and, and what we pay them. But it is a concern. And there's a number of affordable housing initiatives. We have some affordable housing mandates, some of which go too far, actually. But there's got to be a balance housing itself be an impediment to finding the workers we need to, on the back end, keep costs down by providing services uh, in-house. No, so no doubt. it's a balance. And Senator Gopal, I know you understand you know, without housing and a safe place to live, there isn't health. And so it is a critical issue. And has this been part of the dialogue that you have with your constituents? Yeah, absolutely. I think outside of healthcare housing, those are the two that probably over the next decade in the 2020s that we're going to have to address. It's not just older families, it's younger families. You see kids before they leave the household, still living with parents for a long time. And I think a government has a responsibility not to give anyone a hand up, but to even the playing field because your circumstances get often determined on your family situation or your zip code or a number of other factors. I think government has a responsibility to make sure that there is an even playing field and what people choose to do with those choices. If they make bad choices, then that's on them. But I think we got to even the playing field. And when we see things like massive food insecurity and we see housing challenges and healthcare challenges, and then we expect the child to go in and take a standardized test and they have all these other things happening in the household, I don't think that's very fair. I've advocated for the governor and others to put federal funding towards building more affordable housing, working with more developers, and try to create truly affordable housing in as many of our communities as possible. Well, of course, done in a responsible way. Even what we see right now in Monmouth and Ocean Counties, it's called affordable housing. In a lot of cases, it's truly not affordable. Yeah, it's a challenge. I know we hear that from our workers. And 
critical topic, really front of mind for all of us, which is the state of the healthcare workforce, because these are really the angels, the nurses, the aides, frontline caregivers. When we talk about community, having compassion for folks that are sick and people as they age, these caregivers are the bedrock, yet we've got shortages. And I actually, just before I jumped on with both of you, I plugged in from Homedell here to Indeed.com, the, the job search engine. I plugged in registered nurse, and it said within 25 miles of our radius, there's over 4,000 job postings. And if you just widen that to the whole state, you get over 11,000 openings. And I know the New Jersey Hospital Association has been speaking out about nursing shortages and that there's vacancies. We need nurses desperately. And they're the linchpin, the leaders, the caregivers that are so needed. Is this issue being discussed in Trenton? And is there focus on it? Because I know here where we're at, it's a critical concern. It is, Steve. And there are things that we know we can do to help, certainly expanding programs. We Republicans proposed last year, and I'm hopeful that we will eventually take this up. The administration has not yet done so, but uh, encouraging a network of adoption of training programs in our community colleges, that it's a resource that's untapped that we need to take advantage of. We need to do more loan redemption programs. And there are bills out there to do just that. But we need to understand and come to grips with and explain to taxpayers the impact of this. There's going to be a price tag. And it is one worth paying. A lot of people supported the minimum wage increase with not much thought to the collateral impact that that would have. We have home health aides now who can make more money, as much or more money, stocking shelves at Target or working at a fast food restaurant than the difficult work and training taking care of the aging population that we're talking about, for instance. Government needs to do a better job at looking holistically at these things, anticipating them, and dealing with them preemptively. We haven't done a good job at that. We need to do better. We need to do the math. You just said there's 4,000 job openings. Each one of those that's unfilled, those job openings don't exist gratuitously. They exist because there are people in need of care for each one of those job postings. And the fact that there is a huge portion of our population not getting the care yeah, that people, they need. For the first time over the last year or so, I knew of in VNA, we've had times where we've had people where we've had to turn down for certain services for lack of having enough nurses. Fortunately, that's not a common thing, but that had been like a never type of thing. And staffing really has become challenging. And one of the things yeah. that frustrates yeah. me about it the most is that our schools of nursing actually have a pretty good pipeline of applicants. And many, like if you talk to the schools just in New Jersey, they're often turning down applicants to nursing school that they even think would be qualified, that have the grades or the test scores to do well at nursing school because they just don't have the faculty. So it's not even on the nursing front that there are not young people that really want to go into nursing. We've got to find a way to make sure they have the education opportunities as well. But I know education is one of your areas of focus, Senator Gopal. Is our issues in nursing education coming across your desk? Yeah, I, I agree with actually everything Senator O'Scanlan said there. I'd also add that COVID has had a negative impact. And we're not just seeing this nursing shortage 
Our police recruitment has been terrible. The applicants coming in are nothing like they were 10, 15 years ago. We're seeing a mental health shortage. Our teacher shortage is the worst we've ever had. I think one of the great harms of COVID coming out is a mentality that's moved people not to be in, in a physical office most of the week, five days a week. Certainly my millennial generation's had its own challenges, but I think one of the big challenges in the generation after is making sure that we get back to that full-time working mentality because while there are certain professions absolutely works, you want to be a graphic artist or something like that, does not work for nursing, does not work for being a police officer or a teacher. And a lot of these jobs do not pay as well as that on the private sector. There's also cost of living has increased. Pension payments are higher than they were a decade ago. Healthcare increases. So it's obviously a lot of politics in both the policing world and the teaching world and even in the nursing world. So one proposal that we're pushing around right now that we're trying to get a cost uh, estimate is maybe potentially working with our in-state public universities and the state of New Jersey potentially paying for part of the tuition for somebody that may want to go into these high demand industries. I think that's something we should look to do, especially if there's a job opportunity here, how we can make the education process more affordable if somebody wants to go into an area like nursing. So it's not all coming out of their own pocket. And unfortunately, I think at some point we may need to have to start, you know, we can't afford to keep having these shortages. So we'll have to look outside of the state at some point or outside of the country. It's happened before, 40, 50 years ago during Vietnam War, when we had shortages in different industries. That's how my dad came over here. He was a physician. There was a shortage of doctors during the Vietnam War, and he came over from southern India. So I think everything should be on the table. But as you said, Steve, is if these shortages continue, it's going to get bad. And the people at the end of the day suffering are going to be the patients. Yeah, I think your point about the changing world of work and the remote work versus hands-on work, of course, nursing most of it does require that direct care. You've got to be present. There are some things I'm optimistic about in nursing and medicine that we will be able to do remotely or virtually. And we have to keep innovating and also working with the agencies and regulators on how we do those things, where telehealth and other modalities will be relevant. But so much of the what's needed, especially when we think about aging and older population, the need for people on site is extensive and we do need that mindset and people need to be motivated to do that in-person work. Well, this has just been such a pleasure and just so insightful to be with both of you centers. You have the great people and advocates for the VNA and community health services. And anything else that you'd like to share with our audience? Steve, they should know and have some confidence that the default thought that most people have about government is that it's incompetent and tone deaf on these issues, on healthcare, there are some real substantive discussions going on to handle all the issues that we're talking about. So people should have some confidence that there are smart people, many smarter than me. So we don't want them to think that only people of my intelligence level are thinking about this. They should have some confidence that competent, thoughtful people on both sides of the aisle are really looking at dealing with these things. And I think we're going to make progress. Uh, Some of these things are intractable, but we're going to have to overcome them because we can't neglect the current and the next generations of folks that are going to most need intensive levels of care, all of us included, by the way, on this call. So on a positive note, they should, as much as we're facing a lot of these things, and they are serious challenges, they are being met with really serious consideration of solutions. I agree with my colleagues. Senator Scanlon and I fight on a lot of issues, but we are friends. We work together. We try to find common ground. 
I was born in Neptune. I grew up in Friel, Center of Scanlon's from Monmouth County. We've been here our whole lives. So we care a lot about the county and the future of the county. So it's always great to be with you, Steve. And a special thanks to the nurses, your members, your staff, everybody. They are just truly doing God's work and are amazing. So any way we can try to support them, we're here for you. I want to echo that gratitude, Steve. It's been great working with VNA at every level. Vin mentioned Chris Rin, the community health centers. It's a great, great organization that provides essential care and care that avoids a much higher cost if it were not there down the road. So it really is the future, a key cornerstone of the future of what healthcare is going to look like in New Jersey and throughout the country. So really great chatting with you and, and working with you. Thank you so much. Yeah, we are trying to keep providing those great services. We're trying to lead and innovate in some of the solutions. And even in this issue of nursing shortages, we're in addition to trying to make sure we have enough nurses, we're participating in education and trying to contribute overall to growing that pipeline. Senator Vingo Paul, you are a difference maker. Thank you so much for being here today with me. Senator Declan O'Scanlan, you're a difference maker. You're making such an impact in our community. It has been such a privilege to get to speak with both of you. And thank you on behalf of myself and our entire team here at VNA Health Group. Thanks for listening to the Moving Healthcare Forward podcast. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. And if you're interested in making an impact, check out VNA Health Group's job opportunities at vnahg.org careers. You can also email us at talentacquisition at vnahg.org.